Breakthrough News. It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is the Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. We're back with you here on 2-12-2021 on The Punch Out. Very happy to be with you as we always are at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Breakthrough News. Plenty of things going on for you here today. Just a reminder, tonight, 7 p.m., At BT Newsroom, Breakthrough News will be doing a special edition of the Freedom Side Show. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Judas and the Black Messiah, the movie about Fred Hampton. We've got former Black Panthers. We've got youth activists from Chicago. I'm going to be there. Uh, We got academics. We got other broad. I mean, we have an amazing lineup, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at BT Newsroom. But this is the punch out. So we'll get quickly to some important stories here as we close the week out here on Friday. The state of Virginia, of course, moving to close the death house in the death penalty. We'll talk about that and a also take a closer look at just the truly, truly dire situation for U.S. workers. And during the pandemic, I should say, but before we get to either of those two major stories, we're going to talk about a new study out that states that many tens of thousands of people just did not have to die of COVID in the United States of America. It was totally avoidable. Something you might not be surprised at, but you may be surprised by some of the things that this report lays out. Well, this new study has emerged, I just mentioned, to estimate or to attempt to make an estimation of how many lives could have been saved if the U.S. government had actually taken COVID-19 seriously and acted judiciously. And with the U.S. at, well, 470,000 deaths, but very soon to be half a million deaths. Half a million deaths. More than the number of soldiers who died in World War II were already there. Getting close to even higher than that. Unbelievable. Clearly, the government has just done an outright criminal job here. It's by far the worst in the world. 27 million infections, by the way, with that half a million deaths. This study appeared in The Lancet, and it looked at a wide range of factors, and ultimately they estimated, and of course it was an estimate, but that 40% of COVID deaths were almost certainly avoidable. So, you know, obviously it could be more, you could do more than that, but 40% of them, just no questions at all, were certainly avoidable. And of course, they heavily indict former President Donald Trump for his lack of any real actions to do anything to save people. Noting that, of course, the spreading of conspiracy theories, telling people not to wear masks, undermining scientists, and others who were just out there trying to do something to help people obviously played a major role in the spread of the virus. And of course, on the mask thing, he was joined by Andrew Cuomo there, so-called hero to some people, who also, of course, this week was found hiding information about what was going on, how bad it was. But one of the authors of the study noted that, quote, about Trump, quote, he was sort of a crowning achievement of a certain period, but he's not the only architect, end quote. And in fact, the bulk of the report actually indicts the U.S. response based on the long history of terrible for-profit healthcare and harmful pro-capitalist policies that made the situation much more difficult than it even had to be, even in a best-case scenario. 
They note that the country entered the pandemic with a degraded public health infrastructure and that between 02 and 2019, public health spending here in the U.S. fell from 3.21% to 2.45%. That's approximately half the share of what they spend in Canada and the U.K. And worth noting how in both Canada and the U.K., people are complaining how their health services are notoriously underfunded. They also noted in the report that there were 2.3 million fewer people uh, with health care between the start of the Trump administration and the pandemic. Further, they state that, and listen to this one, quote, neoliberal policies pushed in the past 40 years, such as those that intensified the drug war and resulted in mass incarceration, led to health inequities, end quote. Uh, so obviously, they're talking in a huge way here that the overall just state of the country and the way we're living and all the policies have made the country so much more unhealthy. Uh, they note, and for instance, that just having a lower overall life expectancy compared to other wealthy nations was a huge impact on why so many people died in the United States. So there's so many people who are unnecessarily being driven into unhealthy existences, not being treated properly. So when you have a major crisis like this, it adds even more of a burden. The report is absolutely a welcome corrective. And no doubt, Trump, Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis, we can list all the names of all the politicians. They're all very much to blame about what happened last year, without a doubt. I mean, they absolutely did a less than bang up job from downplaying it at the beginning, manipulating the stats, bizarrely just keeping certain things open when it, there was no rationale for it at all, and of course, resisting real relief measures. That being said, it's the bipartisan policies of the past 40 years that have weakened the social resistance of the country, which means that even in a best-case scenario, it's possible that up to 60% of the COVID deaths would have been difficult to prevent, which, whether you debate that or not, in terms of whether it's 60 or 40 or 50, in terms of what could have been prevented, that's a pretty stunning fact right there, that best-case scenario by very smart scientists and doctors is that things were so bad in the lead-up to the pandemic, you might not even have been able to present prevent 60% of the deaths. That's just unbelievable, but maybe not unbelievable. It's certainly outrageous and a sign, if nothing else, of how unsustainable capitalism really is. Well, while we are talking about the pandemic here, worth mentioning a new report that dropped this week came from a range of organizations. Some of them are the National Employment Law Project and Color of Change. That's where I saw the report, but there's others who worked on it. And Tip of the hat to you. Uh, the, what they did is they surveyed thousands of workers about just a range of relevant workplace issues about what's going on in the pandemic with these workers. And I have to say, the findings were pretty bleak all around. For instance, 34% of black workers, 26% of Latino workers, and 14% of white workers who applied for unemployment assistance were denied. 28% of black workers who applied for paid sick leave or paid family leave 28% of black workers who applied for paid sick leave or paid family leave said their employer denied their request. It's compared to 9% of white workers. Large swaths, the report stated, of Latinas, 52%, black women, 44%, and white women, 34%, said unpaid care would negatively affect the amount of paid work they were able to do for the rest of 2020. 52% of Latina. Latinas in this country, 52% said that they were negatively affected in the amount of paid work they could take on because of unpaid care work. 
That's a devastating stat there. 8% of all workers reported that their employers denied them wages they had earned. 8% of all workers reported that their employers denied them wages they had earned. The share of black workers who reported experiencing wage theft was 14%. 34% of black workers and 25% of Latino workers reported concerns about employer retaliation compared to 19% of white workers if they dared speak out about any of these uh, problems in their workplaces. Which might make it not that surprising to hear that 62%, 62% of black and Asian workers, respectively, uh, said that they would definitely or probably support a union at their job. 62% would definitely or probably support a union at their job. 42% of white workers and 44% of Latino workers said the same. So people are upset, but they recognize there is power in numbers. One other interesting piece of this, 22% of workers expressing the highest concern about maintaining steady work reported wage theft, compared to 3% of workers who were least concerned. So that shows you just right there that the bosses are taking a huge advantage against people in the, the, with the challenges of the pandemic who they know won't speak up or won't complain because they're afraid they'll lose their job and they won't be able to find work. Mm. 22% of workers expressing the highest concern about maintaining steady work reported wage theft. And don't forget, there's more wage theft in the U.S. every single year. More wage theft in the U.S. every single year than every other form of theft combined. Now, consider all that. Can anyone really, truly, Say that capitalism is a predatory and exploitative and values only the lives of the wealthy. Well, in the week on some good news here, even though it has flown semi under the radar, Virginia, the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, historically one of the most pro-death penalty jurisdictions on the planet, has taken all but one step towards abolishing the death penalty. Just a touch earlier this month, the Virginia State Senate voted along party lines 21 to 17 in favor of abolishing capital punishment. Two days later, three Republicans joined all but one Democrat in the House of Delegates in a 57 to 41 vote to repeal the death penalty. Now, there's just a few other procedural steps left, so it's not over yet, but it is on the way out the door. It's just Quite frankly, as someone who is from Virginia, I must say, and grew up there, just hard to overstate the sea change this represents. As the Death Penalty Information Center notes, quote, the first execution performed by Europeans in what is now the United States took place in Virginia's Jamestown Colony in 1608. In its 400-year history, the Commonwealth has executed more people than any other state. And in the modern era of the death penalty, since executions resumed in the U.S. in the 1970s, it is second only to Texas. But the residents of the Commonwealth have seen what many others have seen. The death penalty has no deterrent effect. In fact, states with the death penalty are pretty highly likely to be in the top 10 as it concerns, uh, concerns state murder rates, murder rates per capita. The death penalty is applied totally discriminatorily in many different ways, whether we're talking about race, whether we're talking about income. Many people are easily railroaded and thus innocent people can easily be executed. And it's even more expensive than life imprisonment. Ultimately, 52% of Virginia's Residents told pollsters late last year that they opposed the death penalty, and this year the legislature has acted on that majority. And again, after a few more procedural steps, it will be the law. Truly an amazing turnaround. Another example how if you fight, you can win. And 
And that's going to do it for us here today on The Punch-Out here. It's going to do it for us this week on The Punch-Out, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday here on Breakthrough News. Don't forget tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, just two hours after you hear this, we will be live at BT Newsroom across all your social media platforms and on YouTube with a special episode of The Freedom Side with an amazing lineup of guests talking about the new movie that dropped today on HBO, Judas and the Black Messiah, about Fred Hampton. Very excited to do this show. We are very excited to see you at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. Thank you for listening to The Punch Out today and the whole week. We'll be back with you on Monday here on Breakthrough News. Yeah.